Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dragons Remember Oral History Podcast. My name is Matt Palesco, and I will be your host for this special episode. The 2008 presidential election is one of great historical significance, as Barack Obama became the first non-white U.S. president. However, many of us forget that Obama was not the favorite in the Democratic primary. This was an honor that belonged to Hillary Clinton, who was the frontrunner and presidential nominee, until she made some controversial comments on a proposal from New York Governor Elliot Spitzer that would have allowed illegal immigrants to obtain driver's license. At the next debate, Obama and all the other candidates on stage, including current president and former Vice President Joe Biden, attacked Clinton, though none led the charge more than Obama, who compared himself to Rocky, trying to take down the great Apollo Creed. Going into this debate on October 30th, Clinton held over a 23% lead in the polls. This number would significantly decline, however, in the coming months until, as we all know, Barack Obama surpassed Clinton and eventually won the nomination. Embassy Tim Russert and Brian Williams moderated this monumental debate that not only featured Obama, Clinton, and Biden, but also Christopher Dodd, John Edwards, Dennis Kuchnick, and Bill Richardson. This debate, which changed the course of American history, was held at Drexel University. On today's podcast, I'm joined by four Drexel staff members who helped make this debate a possibility. You'll hear from Nikki John Karras, Kyle Kephard, Dave Wilson, and Dimitri Bufidis on what went on behind the scenes, their fondest memories, and how this debate helped propel Drexel to its present standing. If our four guests could introduce themselves and kind of what they do now and what they did in 2008. Okay, so I'm Nikki Janik Harris. I'm Executive Director of Media Relations at Drexel University. And um, what I'm responsible for is um, handling uh, together with a team of the any outreach to reporters proactively um, which we um, put our experts out there talk about all the good and positive stories that we have coming out, out of our students faculty and staff and making sure journalists are aware of that um, on the national and local level uh, so that's pretty much what I do in a nutshell and back in 2008 um, I was uh, working with uh, the vice president at the time uh, Phil Terranova to uh, put together all the uh, branding and other public relations communications requirements for the debate at Drexel. And obviously we'll talk more about that as we go along. So I'm really happy to join everyone and talk about what we did back then. It was definitely an exciting and very busy time for the campus. Dave Wilson. I uh, currently serve as the Vice President of Government and Community Relations, uh, and uh, back in, in 2007, I was the Assistant Vice President in the same office. Uh, we were uh, kind of running point on, on the event uh, and working with uh, the elected officials with the, the candidates' offices and, and then also kind of help coordinate things on the, uh, internally on this event. So um, it was, I, I echo Nikki's statements that it was a hectic time. It was a really short window and uh, we're very proud of all we were able to pull off. Hey guys, uh, Dimitri Bufiris. I'm currently the uh, director for uh, business and city affairs at the Office of Government and Community Relations, uh, along with, with Dave. Uh, back then I was the business manager for the office. It was my first year and a half with the office. I had just graduated from Drexel, so that was like the, the first big event that we were kind of like threw in. Um, I was responsible at that time for um, putting an event with Chris Matthews in the morning and also uh, an event with Brian Williams and uh, anything else that, that, that came about that day. Um, and to kind of like echo Dave's sentiments, I mean, short window that we had to actually put something together we did a phenomenal job and uh, you know I think we really put Drexel on the map that day and uh, just to mention I mean I feel like this podcast is great because it brings like back so many memories and especially you know as we are going through a presidential election kind of reminiscing you know the presidential debate that we had on campus um, you know brings back so many you know like fantastic things that I'm, I'm really glad to uh to share with with everyone so you know thanks again for doing this and happy to be here uh kyle kaufman i'm currently the director of real estate with the real estate and facilities department uh for drexel um which i pretty ma much manage in um drexel's real estate we have like 1.4 million uh, least square feet around uh, campus whether in university city center city or a few other locations uh, uh outside of the city um uh, at that time, I was overseeing uh, the event services office, 
and I was the liaison uh, to oversee any uh, facilities, uh, setup needs uh, associated uh, that were needed on campus, uh, which were many with not just the debate, but all of the offshoot events and or locations needed to make it all happen. Uh, and uh, as Dave uh, and everyone has stated, it was a whirlwind of the minimal time that we had to be prepared and, uh, uh, you know, get things ready and uh, allow Drexel uh, to look good uh, for all of the activities that took place. So I want to get started with something that everybody touched on. Um, you all mentioned how there was such a small amount of time between when Drexel found out they were going to be hosting the debate until debate night. Um, so can you walk us through kind of, first of all, how Drexel was chosen to host the debate, and second of all, what were the challenges each of your departments faced um, in, in preparing for the debate in such a short period of time? August 15th, I uh, got an email from Dr. Papadakis, then Drexel president, and it said uh, um, Governor Rendell's uh, person uh, reached out to the office and said, we have an opportunity to bring a debate to Philadelphia and, and wanted to know whether you would want to have it at Drexel. Um, they were looking for a, uh, I think they deemed it at the time, a working class institution, which uh, I took it to mean that they didn't want to have it at Penn. Uh, they had reached out to Temple, which was a state related, and they thought that they would be able to get Temple to say absolutely. Uh, their president said it's probably going to cost too much and would be too much of a logistical nightmare to make it work. Uh, so they reached out to, to Taki, and, and you know Taki's view was always, say yes and figure out how to get it done then. Um, so he, uh, he reached out to our office and said, talk to them, uh, and, uh, but the answer is gonna be yes and we're gonna make it work. Uh, so the, uh, the marching orders were clear and uh, what they said they needed was, uh, and again, I wrote down some of the notes, but it was a, a 600 to 800 seat venue. They need eight green rooms of approximately the same size, and they needed a media room for about 500 people. And, and those were the parameters we were given and said uh, the debate will be held on October 30th. So we knew we had about, uh, what's that, about 10 weeks to, to pull everything together and, and, and pull off a debate. So that was the, the genesis of it for, for, for us. And, uh, you know, immediately we did walkthroughs with the uh, NBC. Um, came right down uh, with uh, the governor was his team participated in it as well and uh, um, it was uh, some of his campaign folks again just to make sure that we didn't blur the, the lines and uh, uh, do anything on his own work time but um, it was it was really interesting um, and uh, there were so many details that we never even envisioned uh, but that was kind of the the the, the the parameters we we ended up holding it uh, in the main uh, uh, auditorium, right right below in the right next to the great court there, and then we did the the media over in uh, Nikki. What do we have it over at Baracus? Baracus, yeah. yeah. That, um, if we segue into the media, there was more more than four hundred uh, reporters were credentialed at the, from the national media outlets to come to campus, and then we also had most of the networks here and um, a lot of live shows that they did, especially NBC and MSNBC shows. Um, so, and a lot of um, satellite trucks along Chestnut Street, not to take over your part portion of it, but yeah. Yeah. And then, and then also the, the concerns were, were, you know, how do we involve, make it worthwhile for our students? Uh, obviously there'd be a lot of disruption with it. Uh, there were some great opportunities about having Drexel as uh, um, kind of the center of the political universe for if only one night, but uh, uh, you know, how do, how do we make it also meaningful for the Drexel community? And, you know, one of the first things we looked at was, well, who can get in going to be able to view it? Um, there's 800 and nearly 870 seats down in the main auditorium because of uh, lighting and press and, and banners and all the things that we had to do to kind of make it look pretty. Uh, we were, had to remove more than a hundred of those seats for, uh, um, and that left us about uh, 700 and, and change seats overall, which had to be spread out among the candidates, NBC. Um, there were some co-sponsors and, and, uh, uh, and of course what we had for our Drexel community. So, um, that was always a challenge and we were able to set up a, a separate viewing party over at Mandel 
which has another about 400 and plus seats over there where we can do a kind of a direct viewing party. And then we also were able to get some of the candidates to come over and visit. Now, can you kind of touch on the logistics from the facility side? That, uh... Um, uh, yes. Uh, in addition to some of the areas uh, that Dave mentioned were needed, uh, MSNBC pretty much soon as uh, Drexel was selected stated, you know, we need to be on campus uh, to start preparing as well. So we had to find a location um, for their staff as well. So we found a location w which was then in the main building base. It was a mail room that we turned into uh, uh, office area for them and set up desks and, uh, you know, got that area prepared. As Dave mentioned, we had to find uh, um, uh, green rooms for all of the candidates plus uh, for uh, the moderator. Um, so we had to work with different departments to give up their space, you know, senior VPs uh, for a couple of days prior to get everything ready. Um, and then also have Secret Service security do their sweeps to make sure that the space was safe. Um, along with the debate, there was numerous other events that occurred as well on campus. You had Chris Matthews do his show in the quad. Um, so that had to be prepared and, uh, you know, taken care of. Brian Williams did the NBC News Live two days from the sixth floor of the outside deck on McAllister Hall. So uh, there were things that needed to be prepared for that, like bringing in a lot of electric associated with that. Um, to make the campus look really nice, uh, Phil Terranova and Nikki's team wanted the buildings to be lit uh, in uh, red, white, and blue. Um, so we had to bring in outside lighting um, to, to do that. We also had to provide the power. Some of that needed to be bringing in generators associated with it. Uh, MSNBC controlled the auditorium setup, but as Dave mentioned, we had to remove seats. So the university did that. We had to cover uh, and build a platform over the um, organ that is in there. Um, MSNBC brought in air conditioning, um, but we had to work with them for that. Um, they had to bring in lighting trestles uh, uh, into the auditorium. So, I mean, it was like all of that in that short window of time uh, needed to be done. The day before, uh, um, like that Monday before the nightly news, and uh, NBC and for an MSNBC that we have a problem that there's a light pole on Chestnut Street that wasn't originally uh, in pictures that they had seen. So it needed to be removed. So it wouldn't interfere with uh, the shots that they wanted to take uh, for showing the news that night. So we had to make calls that Monday morning to be able to get a light pole removed so it wouldn't interfere with some of the production they had going on. You had um, book uh, events as well with uh, Tim Russert and uh, uh, Chris Matthews in the uh, Bassone Building Auditorium. And then uh, you had um, the Today Show doing live cut-ins uh, the day of and the morning. After the debate, we thought everything was over, and then we got the call. The Today Show wanted to be on site uh, to go live, so we had to be ready for them at 4.30 a.m. to uh, do some uh, filming, the live shots uh, the next day at 6 a.m. for the Today Show. And uh, the university had a private reception as well, and our, uh, for, you know, keep uh, uh, VP people, and as Dave mentioned, that there was a student, uh, not just viewing party, but after the debate, I know uh, then candidate and uh, uh, then former President Obama spoke to students in uh, Mandel Theater as well. So just all that was like a whirlwind. And then also um, setting up some private parties for MSNB staff uh, for them after the debate or helping them get food while they were here throughout their uh, time. So there was just a lot of activity that everyone chipped in to make it go well. So, 
Absolutely. I'm sure it was. Um, something you and Dave both touched on was, you know, trying to get these students involved and making it a Drexel community event. Can you speak a little bit more about President Obama um, going over and speaking with the students? Was he the only candidate that did so? Having students in Mandel Theater and kind of how they were chosen to be there and any other student events that went on during it? Sure. So, so um, we ended up with, with four candidates walked over with then newly elected. Uh, I think we just elected uh, Michael Nutter was the new mayor of Philadelphia at the time. And, and he went over, brought four of the candidates over. And I was going through my records to see who all went over. And I saw right up of that four went over, but I didn't have who they were. Uh, so uh, I know four of the eight were, did make a trip over to visit with the students. And I know, uh, uh, President Obama was was one of the candidates. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, there's, there, with all this disruption, you want to make sure that it's, it's also something that uh, the students will will you know gain benefit from. I think we enlisted over 300 volunteers, student volunteers. Um, we put out a uh, kind of an online, you know, unfortunately, as you well know, Matt, that you get all the emails from from Drexel. Well, we also did a uh, email blast for for signing up for tickets and said, would you uh, want a ticket if we can get you into the, the main event? And again, I think we ended up with about 100 students at the uh, um, actual uh, um, uh, debate. The, the 400 who, who went over to Mandel, um, but with that login said, would you be interested in getting it? You know, please sign up for a ticket for the debate. If not, would you be interested in a ticket at the, 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 meet, the watch party? We had over 2,500 uh, responses uh, uh, from students who, who looked to, to be part of it. So, um, you know, again, look, there, it's tough to, to do that because obviously the main building, we weren't going to get 20, 2,500 in there. And even with Mandel, it wasn't going to work. But uh, then we just did a pure lottery. Uh, we worked with, uh, I think IT just ran a computer generated lottery and we're able to just uh, pull out students' names. When they signed up, they gave us their email address. We did a quick email blast and hey, you've been selected. Uh, you know, you need to get your ticket and provide an ID. Um, and then either you're selected for Mandel or you're selected for the, the main auditorium. Uh, but then also we tried to bring in, uh, as, as Kyle talked before, we had uh, Chris Matthews and, and Brian Williams both do a lecture to students. Um, obviously, all the stuff in the quad when we had Tim Russer set up his broadcast um, was all open to students. So there was a real buzz. And I think even for those who, who weren't able to get in directly to the events, it was just such a kind of a whirlwind of activity. And, and you know, they all enjoyed having uh, uh, everything right there on campus. And uh, I think they, they got an additional kick the, for students with the, I guess the following week when Saturday Night Live did a uh, little skit and there was Brian Williams and a big Drexel logo behind him. And he was doing a skit on Saturday Night Live. So, um, you know, having that attention to, to, to your university was, was nice for, for the group. Sure. I mean, we had a lot of volunteers. I mean, like Dave said, I mean, I think we had about like three or 400 volunteers. Um, so obviously there was a lot of stuff and, and there was like, we needed people for like crowd control as well. Um, so we did have random, um, you know, people just like, I'm sorry, volunteers being at specific spaces uh, just for like that day for people to see them um, and know where, where everybody had to go and, and provide like all kinds of information about the debate. Um, there was also, you know, there was a lot of ushers. Uh, I remember I had a bunch of volunteers to the events with Chris Matthews about actually, you know, checking people in and having them sit down. Um, and, you know, like, uh, being on the room and taking control of like questions and all that stuff that they were asking, you know, the, um, Chris Matthews and then Brian Williams at the same time, because we had an event as well before the nightly news. Um, we had volunteers at the ticket booth as well. Uh, we had like some, some, um, tickets on, uh, on call. I think we used to call them or something like that. Um, and you know, they were giving them out, especially that day. Um, I mean, it was, you know, it was an all day event, right? I mean, everything of course was leading basically to, to the night of the debate, but the reality is, I mean, with the setup and all that, I mean, there was like stuff going on every day, all day. Um, so, so having a good amount of people that, you know, they have been coming to campus, even for the first time to actually, you know, attend such an event, 
um, you know, see somebody with like that yellow shirt, you know, wearing and, and basically saying, you know, debate a Drexel volunteer. Um, I mean, we wanted to make it obviously, you know, it's, it's easy to navigate the campus. Um, it's easy to find, you know, the location that you had to be or, you know, where, where you needed to be at the time, because obviously, you know, let's not forget that you have an event that you're dealing with Secret Service, right? So people roaming around, um, you know, and going to places that they're not supposed to go at the time because something was closed or something else was basically, you know, our reads was actually, you know, challenging as well. So having, you know, that many volunteers um, and especially like stationed around campus in strategic locations was actually very, very helpful to actually do so. Earlier, Nikki, you mentioned that there were over 400 reporters or members of media there. So how did you, how was that credentialing process for you? What challenges did you face? Uh, can you just share experiences about that? Um, yeah, sure. So obviously it wasn't an event that reporters could show up to. Um, they had to get their credentials in advance, also not only for limited seating, but because of Secret Service, we had to know who was on campus. Um, and I think it was pretty, it went pretty smoothly because we worked with IT and we created a system where they could just apply online and I would just get back to them and then take their name, tell them what they needed for the day of, and then they had to come in, check in and get their credentials over at Baracus Hall. We had some volunteers from our communications uh, folks around campus that helped us the day of. And, um, and then we just had to assign seating for them, um, which was interesting over at their area where they're going to watch the debate. And also because you're bringing so many national reporters to campus, it was an opportunity to also tell them a little bit about Drexel, just so because you can't ever pitch yourself enough to media, especially when an opportunity like this is given to you. So we did uh, as much as we could in terms of um, providing something at their seat that was branded um, with Drexel and even their like a reporter's notebook. Um, we gave them some sort of voucher so that they can have lunch here and um, some other information about Drexel and where they were at. Um, just so that we can um, get them familiar with the university in case we needed to, well, not in case, because at some point we would go back to them and pitch them a story later on. And it was good to put Drexel um, on the map that way. And then we also had to try to brand any location on campus for live shots and all the shows that Kyle mentioned earlier. So we did um, a lot of more Drexel backdrops so that we could get the Drexel logo behind anyone who needed a live shot or was going to be and doing some sort of show on campus. And then we also tried to get opportunities for Papadakis, who was the president at the time, to be able to appear on some of these shows and do some interviews um, about the, and hosting the event and how um, that played into civic engagement and student engagement at Drexel. So we did that. And then of course we had to deal with some of the satellite trucks that also uh, needed to reserve spots because we only had a limited amount of space for satellite trucks. And then we parked them along Chestnut Street and it was pretty much the entire block. Um, and then the rest of them just had to get satellite coordinates and take the feed from the debate. And we did have to choose pool press because not everyone was allowed into the main auditorium. So I think it, we chose the AP photographer in terms of uh, for the photographer that was allowed in. And then we had like 10 uh, reporters from national outlets that sat in the actual auditorium for the debate. Um, and I think the uh, photographer, I had to let her out at some point. So just organizing all that was um, part of what uh, we had to do for that night. So, but overall, like in terms of how many places and how many media outlets talked about Drexel that night is something that was worth it um, because you just, like even now when we're talking about the presidential debates and wherever they're held, you talk so much about that location that it's, it can't, it's good for the school. Um, so that is kind of like the understanding from a communications PR branding perspective for the time. And as hard as it was, I'd welcome the opportunity to do it again. I think okay. anybody else would, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sure. I'm sure, and that's something we'll talk about here in a little bit, um, but something that you and a couple other people have touched on so far was kind of the issue of seating and if there's a limited number of seats available in the auditorium itself, um, how did you decide, you know, who gets to sit in the debate hall itself and where each, where each person sits and how did you kind of make those decisions? 
What we basically did is we, we took the uh, um, floor layout of, of the, uh, the facility. Um, we literally cut it up into areas and said, okay, this is going to be the tickets we allocate to each of the, the eight candidates. I forget uh, how many they had. They may have had eight tickets each. Um, but again, when you're talking eight, that's 64, uh, you know, that's almost uh, a tenth of the available seats right there. So you, then we had uh, a couple of uh, co-sponsors who helped sponsor the debate. Um, they got a certain number of tickets, the DNC. So, you know, we started really divvying it up. And, and uh, of course, there's always an interest from, uh, um, you have our trustees who want to be part of it. Um, you have some of our senior staff. I can tell you, I got some angry calls from them as well saying, well, I want to be in and I want my spouse to be there as well. And, and I was uh, blessed with the opportunity to tell them no, um, which is not always easy, uh, especially I was only there at Drexel. I wasn't even quite there three years yet. So um, they didn't think that some of them weren't happy asking me these questions. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but, but again, you know, we're dealing with limited number of spaces. Uh, how we came up with, uh, you know, we just thought we, we definitely want to make sure that we can get uh, a great number of students in there. Uh, again, we came up with the, the 100 number because we, we looked at the number of seats overall that we thought we'd have available to Drexel and said we want uh, as many of them to go to students as possible. So um, I think Taki said, well, we want, let's make sure we get at least 100 in there. So that's, that's how we, we came up with it. I'd love to say there was a science behind it. There really wasn't. Um, uh, it was just, okay, how many seats available to us? There were some of the senior staff who you'd say, okay, well, if, especially those who are really working with us on the event. Um, I think everyone here uh, went to it, right, Kyle? You were, I mean, we were working it, so I don't even know that we had a seat, but we were able to get in the doors. We were credentialed to get in the doors. And I, I was running around like I was in and out of there with every, because it was like once that event got started, you had to be prepared for the stuff going on after. I remember Dimitri and I walking over to, Mandel Theater to see how the watch party was going and make sure it would be prepared for the viewing, you know, party after that. So it was like we were just moving all over the place as well. Besides, uh, when a debate was happening. Well, yeah. you know, it was it was the situation that you know if you would get in, that's it, you're done, right? I mean, you would not be able to come out at all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as soon as the doors closed. So I mean, like Al said, I mean, I, I was, you know, we were we still had work to do, right? I mean. The debate is happening, but there's like, again, like so much stuff going on that you have to go and check and make sure that, you know, right after they're done, everything is in order. And, you know, like Kyle said, I mean, we had the viewing party at Mandel, um, which we actually had to go there and make sure that, you know, everybody was, you, you know, we also had that, spin in order. Room that we had the spin room right before, like right when you enter, Chris, if you remember that. And that was for any candidate who wanted to do interviews after the debate right. we had like right. little platforms and a Drexel backdrop for each candidate. And then also from my perspective, which uh, always kind of keep an eye towards the, the political side of it. We also had uh, numerous requests from, from elected officials. I mean, we had uh, governors Rendell, Corzine and Minner there uh, from PA, Jersey and Delaware. We had uh, a number of congressmen who came uh, from different States, uh, we had, you know, senators and state reps and um, the mayor came. So, you know, those are all uh, important ones that we make sure we manage those requests as well, because uh, as tough it is for me to tell some of the internal folks that they weren't going to get a seat, uh, it'd be that much tougher to tell the, uh, the elected officials when uh, there was such a, a great interest to, to them to have a, uh, uh, the presidential debate right here in their backyard. So, um again, with, with such a limited number of seats. Now, the good thing is a lot of those seats we were able to take from the, the, the pool we had allocated over to the DNC for, uh, and get some of them to use, uh, get to utilize some of their tickets for those, to accommodate those requests. So Dave mentioned um, uh, then Governor Rendell. Um, a memorable moment was him being on campus at about 7 a.m. the day of the debate, walking the campus, stopping by to talk to some of our uh, facilities employees, uh, stating, you know, this is a great day for the city and for Drexel and for everyone. And, you know, he appreciated all their help and 
making it go well. And uh, that really did a lot for morale for, you know, uh, our employees to uh, have the governor of uh, the state to stop by and appreciate what they were do, doing, getting the campus ready. So um, that was a memorable moment for them because of, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of our employees wouldn't have a chance to meet, you know, the governor and for him to stop by and spend a few minutes and thank them for uh, their time. Uh, it meant a lot for them. I'm sure it did. And you, know, you mentioned there are various select officials there and Drexel in the past, um, I believe even earlier in 2007, they hosted a mayoral, mayoral debate um, yep. for the city of Philadelphia. And so how was this event, the, the presidential debate, how is that different from other smaller events like that mayoral, mayoral debate? So, so obviously uh, a couple of key areas. One, uh, we've had the mayoral debate also in that same room. We've, I, I think we had that one there, uh, the 2007 one. Um, but in terms of logistics, they don't even come close. You know, in terms of security, uh, the demand for seats. You know, when you have a mayoral debate, the students are somewhat interested, um, but nowhere near the demand that, that would be with a, a presidential debate. Um, the, the myriad events that we had around campus uh, leading up to the, the debate, as, as Kyle talked about, the, the nightly news up, on, uh, up at the top of McAllister. We had you know, Tim Russert doing his show from the quad and, um, you know, coordinating all those events. And, and uh, Nikki, I can only imagine what the difference is in terms of media and, and the work you do. But it's just night and day. And, and after doing the presidential debate, we, we kind of scoffed at saying, well, boy, anyone could do a mayoral debate. The presidential debate's the real one, so... Not too many media requests other than local media for a mayoral debate. So you wouldn't get the national level of attention, nor the reporters wanting to actually be on your campus. That's the main difference from the media perspective. But one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that this debate was talked about more than any other because of the turning point. Up until our debate, it was Hillary Clinton who was uh, the front runner, and that's when it, things took a turn, and Obama became the front runner for uh, the Democrats at the time. And uh, Dave, you were going to mention that as well, so I don't know if you have anything to yeah, add. Yeah, I wanted to make sure we did because that really sure. kept the media going. You know, the stories kept coming. Yeah, and and I sent around Matt. I don't know if you saw the little uh, piece from that book called Game Change, which was a, a kind of a, a John Heilman's history on the. Uh, uh, the election and uh, it was just, you know, I remember getting the book and reading it and it's like, you know, it talks about how Hillary was leading and, and then it was it literally said something like the debate at Drexel changed everything and uh, just a cool piece of history. I mean, and literally it's, you know, it's history that, have, you know, really quite frankly changed the course of the nation for, and I don't think it's, it's hyperbole to say that she, you know, the, Hillary was the front runner, as any front runner knows during a debate, the front runner gets attacked usually by the other seven. Uh, and uh, that night, uh, I, and it was funny because I went back and watched a debate about an hour and 40 into the debate, there was a question came up about New York giving a driver's license to illegal aliens. And uh, um, Hillary came out and stayed in one position and then uh, kind of backtracked on it and came and said the other. And, and all of a sudden, you know, Edwards and and Obama and they all kind of said, wait a second, is it me or did she just completely flip her position and she tried to talk her way out of it and it, it really uh, was a standout moment in uh, uh, the election and let's face it, that's one that uh, in terms of historical perspective, I don't think you can understate the what it, what it, what a moment it was for her to all of a sudden be the uh, um, the, the, the front runner to to then falling behind. Uh, uh, then Senator Obama. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, <clears throat> I was only eight years old when the debate happened. Um, Me too. <laughs> now I, I mean, feel old. <laughs> so looking, looking back on it, I, I went and rewatched it all. And, you know, the very first question was uh, Brian Williams. He asked Obama about um, Senator Clinton sounding, you know, kind of Republican. And you can tell from the very outset that this debate was going to be different. And, you know, it, it was a major turning point. So what did that do for Drexel? Like, what, what was the significance of the, hosting the debate on Drexel University in the future? 
obviously, you know, we're a, a dozen years past now. Um, but what what impacts did you see, you know, immediately after and stepping back you now years of years back? What have you seen in the long run? Well, I guess the one thing is that, you know, I feel like, and I, and I said something like, you know, this debate, I feel like, you know, put, put drugs on the map, right? So, I mean, I feel like since then, we have had some, some high profile events uh, that we had at the university, which I think is actually a result um, of being able to, to pull together such, such a, a huge event um, with, with, without a glitch. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I mean, like I said, and, and being on, on somewhere like Saturday Night Live, um, which again, you know, it, it's funny because I actually caught it on repeat as well. So you know what? So here we are, you know, once live and then once on repeat, then you have like the Drexel flag in the background, you know, showcased, you know, like twice on, on the show. Um, but I feel like, you know, what, what it did the most and, and, you know, I mean, feel free anybody else to like jump in on that, but I feel like, you know, it really put us on the map. Um, I mean, we have been having requests from, from people and other, you know, people for run for office or, or, or everybody else like that. I mean, we have had some, some significant events throughout, you know, the years after that, that debate as well. And, and I feel like the reason is that, you know, we've done such a great job that, you know, people look out to us, you know, look at us to actually, you know, come in and, and put an event together for them and their party. We also got a few calls from uh, different groups um, after that when they had large events. Um, uh, MSNBC uh, in the past has uh, reached out to myself um, asking me to talk to a couple other groups that had uh, hosted large events uh, just to give them a flavor of what Drexel dealt with to try and give them a perspective on what uh, uh, they should be ready for or plan for. And Dimitri, you, you talked about how some um, directors had some major events since the debate. Could you kind of elaborate on that? You know, what, what has Drexel hosted? Sure. Um, so, I mean, the, the two big things that actually come to mind right now is basically we had uh, um, Hillary Clinton actually came back um, right after that. Uh, and we also had Joe Biden come to Drexel as well. Uh, and most recently, I remember, um, I remember it very well because he was talking about timing. Uh, Bernie Sanders also came to campus as well and actually just have an event. Um, and and the, the one thing is just basically that, you know, we have, um, every time we have a, a candidate come to campus, uh, which in, in that situation, uh, you know, they're, they're all Democrats. Um, you know, we also have to make the effort to see if, if, if the Republican, um, you know, counterpart uh, wants to actually come to campus as well as a nonprofit institution. I mean, we have to offer it uh, to the other party as well. I mean, having said that, I mean, we haven't had anybody else, unless I'm, I'm forgetting somebody, I, I can't recall somebody coming to campus, but uh, it has been, you know, we, we have been a venue for like, for like very big and, and important events and, and presidential candidates. Um, Secretary Tom Ridds at the time, that he was the first Secretary of Homeland Security, was actually on campus as well. Actually, I think that would have been actually before the debate, but it could be something else. Uh, but yeah, those are the ones that actually come to mind right off the bat. Thank you. And <clears throat> Nikki, earlier you spoke a little bit about um, you know trying to get Drexel's brand out there, and obviously the Saturday Night Live thing is is amazing. Um, but what else has developed since the debate, um, you know, with Drexel's brand and how, how do you think the debate has helped get Drexel uh, out to the public? I think the debate helped at the time. Um, just the amount of spending dollars to buy ads to run during the debate would have not been something that would have been feasible to Drexel because of the cost to run ads everywhere. Um, so that really helped us that way in terms of, uh, getting the brand as much as we could out there to all these outlets that were reporting about the debate, showing our campus um, in the best possible light. That's why we did all the lighting that Kyle was talking about before and putting our president out there, uh, getting as much of better message as we could uh, through this opportunity that we were given is what really helped us at the time. Um, since then, we obviously always uh, try to get the Drexel brand and 
Drexel uh, messages out to media. So we do uh, pretty good on the national level and um, on the local level. And just to give you an idea, um, the team nowadays, uh, what we do is uh, the publicity value for if we were to place ads for the number of hits of stories that we have and we place throughout the year is over $85 million. So that's the scale of what we're talking about on a normal um, year. Imagine if you're talking about national level networks and being all over the place and the publicity value gets to be in the millions. And it's something that we wouldn't have been able to do. Like we wouldn't have been able to, we don't have to buy, to buy all that um, advertising space is not something that would be feasible. So these type of opportunities definitely help us get our name out there and to more places. If I can just say one more thing, actually, about the events, I mean, and, um, you know, I mean, Dave, I'm sure you remember that very well. And then I want to give you credit for it. I mean, Dave created this like 10 page thing about, you know, what to look for when we put an event, which I, I still have it. And then, you know, sometimes I have to go back and then look at it to make sure that, you know, we don't forget anything, but I feel like that created a framework that, uh, you know, I mean, Nikki said, I mean, like Nikki said, if, if we are in the process or if we have the opportunity to make another debate, I, I would personally sure welcome it again. Um, but I feel much like, easier this time around too, uh, because you know what you're dealing with. Whereas well, actually, time, you know, considering the environment this, this time around. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a different but, thing, uh, but, but having said that, I feel like every other event, I mean, it's, you know, besides the whole timing thing, right? I mean, obviously you have to, to, to make some decisions or you have to put things like, you know, right away into place. But I feel like every other event since then, I mean, it has been a piece of cake and, and I don't want to sound too cocky or anything like that, but I feel like that framework that, you know, we put together and then Dave, you working on that master list, I mean, has been really, you know, significant about how to move forward to put events together and, the guy is not even an, a, a, an events planner, right? I mean, he is our, our, you know, one of our government affairs persons. So, well, what I'll say is, well, say well is done, this, yeah, thank. You. I, well, I'll say is, um, you know, Matt, the fact that we can, you reach out 13 years later, and really, you know, four of the the people who really worked probably the mm -hmm. most on it are all still here. Um, We're the most you know, popular. Yeah, exactly. It just shows that, you know, we were, we were fortunate to have kind of a group of, of folks who are all willing to kind of drop everything and work together for the sake of the, the whole. And uh, um, the fact that we've lasted through now all this, these years later, we're still together. Uh, I think it speaks volumes. I completely agree. Um, so Drexel as a university, we're big on civic engagement and campus engagement. That you know, something that Dimitri had mentioned previously is the Drexel Votes campaign. Um, so, Dimitri, can you speak a little bit about Drexel Votes and, you know, how has Drexel moved forward as a politically active campus since 2007? So, I mean, obviously, you know, when you have a presidential election, you have people being more involved um, in politics, right, about everything that's been going on. Um, so, Drexel Votes was basically an initiative that was actually formed. Um, to, to bring more awareness to our students, um, faculty and staff, of course, about, you know, the election, about voting, and also getting people registered to vote. Um, so it, it's basically compiled by different departments of the university. Um, my department, along with uh, the Lindison Center for Civic Engagement, uh, you know, has been co-chairing it. Um, I, I'm chairing it this year, which has been, you know, a tremendous um, kind of like opportunity plus you know it's 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 really um nice and 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 to see all you know all the people who are engaged uh and the interest of course of like you know the election coming up um the goal is to actually as well make people you know interested in in all the elections right because presidential election can go this far as well but you know there's also elections in between presidential elections that you know we need people to get out and, and vote um, so, you know, the purpose of this committee is to provide as much information, to motivate people to register the vote, to get them out to the polls, um, to, to give them uh, opportunities that exist during those times as well, like poll workers, uh, like, like volunteering uh, with the, um, in our case, with the Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office for Election Day opportunities or before that. Um, and it's just 
basically something that we're very proud of as a civically engaged university. Um, we want our, our students and our, our community to be active. Um, and uh, we also put some events together, like we had like the Community 70 um, to come and, and give a voting information on our students. Obviously, we are in a virtual world these days, so, you know, everything is happening through Zoom. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's really what the, the community does. And, and my goal is to, like I said, to kind of keep the community kind of going um, and, and getting more active in, like, any type of election that's happening. Because, like I said, I mean, every election matters and, and your vote matters. So, if everybody gets this message, please get out and vote. Thank you. And, you know, kind of beginning to wrap up here, what for each of you, and we can go in reverse order from the beginning, so starting with you, Kyle, um, what what was your favorite moment of that night or of, of the time leading up to it? Um, you know, whether that be an interaction with a candidate you had um, or something funny that happened. But, Kyle, do you have anything? Um, uh, from a uh, standpoint of an item we really didn't touch on that much was <clears throat> – uh, security um, and all of the levels that were involved. And from that standpoint, that was under the same division that uh, I was under at the time. So just uh, our interactions with either the Secret Service to city um, representatives to state uh, police that were asked to come and assist to seeing the uh, street that was the getting the approval for Chestnut, uh, we kept hearing it'll never happen. You're never going to get the approval. It'll be uh, allowed to be closed off. And uh, if you go back and look at those pictures that Dimitri shared with uh, people standing, um, the state allowed uh, Chestnut Street to be closed for I don't know what hours of time, but <laughs> I think that is that like the only time that ever happens unless it's for road work. Is that correct? Yeah. Dave? What I'll, what I'll say is uh, it helps when the governor is the one that brought the event to us. Uh, he and street had a John street, then mayor of Philadelphia had a quick call and uh, they kept saying, we need that street shut. And finally got a call from the mayor's office or from the, uh, the governor's office. And they said, you know what? You can take that one off your plate. We'll put that one on our plate. And we'll, we have a film. We'll be able to figure it out. Uh, um, needless to say, they were so. Um, it's it's good to have have supporters in, in in high places. And and I guess the last one last item was the day after uh, we were informed when we were cleaning up uh, one of the green rooms, which was our CFO, Chief Financial Officer at the time, was where uh, um, then Senator Obama and his staff were that they left a nice note thanking uh, Drexel and uh, the use of the space. Uh, and they were very appreciative. So um, knowing that, uh, you know, they left that note, it, it uh, you know, it showed that they cared and that we did a good job seeing that today that we had prepared and uh, the space was uh, nice for what uh, that we had selected for them. That's amazing. How about you, Dimitri? Um, I mean, I'll give you a couple, and, and the reason why is because you know, number one is, you know, I, I, it was, it was such an opportunity. I mean, obviously, you know, we are talking about some, you know, larger than life, um, you know, personas that you actually have on, on on campus, or you actually see, you know, you always see them on TV and all that stuff. So actually, see all those people like walking around. I mean. And obviously for us, but we're in the government affairs office. I mean, it's kind of like, all right, like this is all the people that we see on TV, they're making the decisions, they're running for office. Um, they're ruling our country. So I actually see them up close. I mean, it's totally a different experience. A color looked different the next day. I was actually opened my eyes. I was like, oh my God, it's like, it's not black and white anymore. It's actually, you know, there's more colors around here. So it was interesting. Dave, how about you? Sure. Uh, like my colleagues, I'll, I'll cheat and name a couple couple of things. One, um, the, the one thing that stood me out to me during the debate, and it's it kind of an innocuous moment as we look back, but I remember Dennis Kucinich comes out and he started talking about UFOs. And, and I remember hearing that and I kind of thought, 
well, this is an odd place to go. And finally, uh, then Senator Obama came out and said, well, I don't know about UFOs, but I prefer to help the people. We'll start with the ones on this planet first and, and got a chuckle. And just, I, I thought that for some reason that just stood out to me. I thought here we are at a presidential debate. And one of the candidates talks about seeing a UFO and, uh, and the, it kind of got, kind of moved towards aliens and conversation. I thought, my goodness, this is an odd spot to go. So uh, it was such a whirlwind, but that was one that really stood out of the debate. The second thing I, I wanted to mention was, and I actually have to, I thank Nikki for this one. Um, I don't even know if you remember Nikki, but June the following year, um, unfortunately, Tim Russert, who was kind of the, the point person on, on for NBC on a lot of the, the work here and one of the moderators, he passed away. And KYW called Nikki and looking to talk to someone who got a chance to work with Tim as part of the debate. Um, and so they put uh, KYW in touch with, with me. And I did a quick interview on KYW about um, uh, Tim Ruster's passing and what it meant to have him on campus for the debate. Um, I think I have more of a look for radio anyway. So, so that probably was good uh, to be on radio, not on TV. But, uh, and then the, the, the final thing that, that to me really stood out was after it was all said and done, we had a uh, picture blown up of all, all the candidates up on stage. And we had, it was a, a huge uh, kind of a poster board that we, we did. And we had it sitting in our office for years and years and years. And uh, it was just such a, a stunning picture of just all the candidates here at Drexel. And you look back again, you know, Richardson became a secretary, I think, of energy. You had, of course, President Obama. You had uh, Hillary. You had, uh, you know, President Joe Biden on stage. And uh, you just go right down the list. And, and it was remarkable, the talent that was up there at that time and all here at Drexel. Nikki, anything to add? No, I think they're um, going to pretty much echo what everything else said, especially what uh, everyone else said, especially Dave, because that's kind of like what stands out is not only all the media buzz and the excitement that was on campus at the time um, and the fact that actually reporters were seeking me out as because I'm usually the one seeking reporters out and trying to say, hey, listen, Drexel's doing this great thing. But um, the fact that you happen to see all these people who are still playing a role in the political arena and have had such an impact over the course of the decades following this debate. Um, and we had to, we saw them in person at that time. So it's not only uh, Barack Obama who went on to become president and then Joe Biden as his vice president and then Hillary Clinton and then she's running for president. These uh, people who are playing such a huge role in society from then till today we had the opportunity to see up close. And I think that is a very, um, uh, is an experience of a lifetime for sure. All I'll say is, is, is again, Matthew, thank you to, to you and to your, your fellow uh, teammates there who, who kind of gave us the opportunity to bring this, relive some great memories and, and they were terrific. And uh, again, it was fortunate to have such a, a, a team of us uh, starting with the, the four of us here and then others who, who, who worked so hard over, course of a 10-week period to put together something that I can't believe you know here we are 13 years later almost to the day uh, and uh, it's still part of the Drexel history and I'm sure it'll be for 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 decades to come as well. I'll have to say I've been at Drexel I've worked for for Drexel for about 17 years and it's always such a happening place that I'm not bored (laughs) and I say that all the time so debate or not we're still a very happening institution right? You heard it from them, and it's still true now. Drexel is a happening place. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dragons Remember Oral History Project, and please stay tuned for future episodes.